All right. We talked about it before with our blanket fort and, you know, holing up, watching all of Stranger Things 2. Which we did. And we did, and it was great. And here's to the eight episodes of it. That was great. Yeah. When this isn't to you, episode seven. All eight of them. You don't get this toast. Yeah. Real passive-aggressive mean girl. Clink. I'm Caleb. I'm Spencer. And this is The Mix Six, where we have six conversations while rating six beers. And if you're listening, thank you. We're really thrilled to have you here today. Uh, Maybe you back the Patreon, maybe you don't. But either way, you are interested enough to listen to us have drunken rambles on the microphone. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, We like to rate and organize our drunken rambles because we're not nerdy enough yet. That's right. And we got to take it to the next level so Mm -hmm. that there can be a spreadsheet category. Right. Yeah. Uh, So... Uh, to get on that spreadsheet category, we change it up every episode. What is our top five rating system that you've developed for us? Well, our- this one is a real doozy. Uh, if you've listened to any of our episodes, you know that our rating system changes from episode to episode. And this week, we'll be rating our beers on a five-point scale. And that five-point scale is determined by kombucha flavors. So, quick moment for me to say, I'm on the booch train pretty hard. I drink me a kombucha damn near every day. Uh, and I've tried a bunch of different kombucha at this point, so I feel qualified. Gene's growing skinnier as he speaks. Yep, yep. I feel qualified to hipster Ironic rate my mustache. beers. We can growing. feel the gravitational pull of Portland, Oregon. <laughs> like, hey, guys. We're just being dragged. I fucking like what I like, okay? I, I know. You're just dragging us along with it. Yeah. You know what? It's good for me. That's actually how you find North. You pour booch on the gram, and it, and it goes... Crawling towards Portland. I think we're already. Like, <laughs> I don't like either of you. <laughs> shortening it to booch. Like oh yeah, hashtag booch. Yeah, yeah. booch. Yeah. Uh, so our our system is a one to five scale. A one is the worst beer you've ever had, or in this case, a really terrible booch, and a five is the best beer you've ever had, or in this case, a booch that you can't get enough of. So a one today is hoppy flavored booches. Is this hypothetical? No, no, no. There are a lot it of sounds so bad. No, no, I no, 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 no. There are a lot of companies. Uh, I'm looking at you, Townsend Tea Company, the Brew Doctor Kombucha. A lot of Companies are trying to put hops into the booch because hops have a really nice floral, um, citrusy vibe to them when used appropriately. So a lot of people will make booch and they'll brew it with hops to get some of that floral citrusiness out of it. I don't fucking want that, okay? Because it tastes like vomit piss, Mm -hmm. all right? Number two, speaking of floral things, floral booches can get the fuck out of here, okay? This is a beer that you're not happy about. It's not the worst thing you've ever had. This is a booch that you don't want any more of. I'm looking at you, hibiscus, all right? Get out my booch, all right? I don't need you. A three, standard, run-of-the-mill, good booch, happy to go back to this well all the time, ginger. Oh, God. Ginger-flavored booch for the win. Too strong a fa- flavor for that. And in particular, GT's Gingerade, which is probably a brand that you can find nearly anywhere, is a delicious booch. Is the next one rose-flavored? Okay. No, I already said on? no floral, man. Okay, I'm just saying. Fuck. Ugh, keep gross. up, Caleb. Uh, a four... So these are like the fruit punch flavored ones. I'm thinking here like GT's Trilogy. These try to make you think like, hey, booch is fun. You know what I mean? It's just like Kool-Aid. And it's got like some vinegar and some, you know, active probiotics. <laughs> really bacterial Kool-Aid. Live cultures in it and some vinegar uh, in your Kool-Aid. A- it's actively gre- breeding in your mouth. That's right. So, yeah, Kool-Aid. Yeah, it's got some clumps in it. That's nature. <laughs> uh, and that's how you feel. You're like, this is pretty good nature. You know what I mean? But a five. This is where booch transcends booch and just becomes good drinking. Like, every day I want to have one of these. 
Spiced Apple Booch. You did make me drink this, and I did not throw it up. Bingo. The highest recommendation you're going to get from me. Can, can you think of a way to describe a beer more than that? You know, you made me drink it, and I didn't throw it up. We can think of ways. Do not turn off the podcast. Like two we've through thought five. Of, many we've thought of many ways, ways to describe it. Okay, way. reasonable. Reasonable to point that out. Anyways, Townsend's Tea Company, Brew Dr. Kombucha. It looks like it's in a little apothecary bottle. They do a Spiced Apple Booch, and it will change your life. I just drink one for fun. I don't even know if it's doing anything anymore. I just enjoy the fucking flavor. What's it supposed to be doing? Tasting good. And also, like, making me thinner, I think. And it's also supposed to, like, make me stronger. It's not a health potion. Nah, I don't know about that. Yeah. I, I kind of, I've read some of the labels. Let's see. All it's, right. Yeah. Well, you heard it from Spencer. When the skeletons really start wailing on you, yeah. drink a booch. Yeah. When I transcend. And replenish your mana. We'll see who's laughing, you fucks. All right. We're going to get beer, and on the other side, we'll talk about a board game or some stupid shit. <laughs> I'm excited to ask you what you're drinking because it's a green bottle, it's, and that's always a good God time beware, for the microphone. Green bottle beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is a Mythos from Olympic Brewery in Greece. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, I've not had this, so Stillwater Rule. We're going to try it live. All right. He's taking a sip. He's looking up, thinking about it deep. All right. And <laughs> shaking the head. It's not good, people. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It's a deep frown. It's a it's a bad mythos. Um so it's not the worst green bottle beer I've had. Looking at you, Rolling Rock. Whoa. Um but it's not it is a look, it's a floral, it's a two for now. It's a it's a hibiscus booch. Oh I, I res- feel like that shit's dropping. I reserve the right to make it a hoppy booch by the end of this segment. Ross, you got your wallet on <laughs> yeah. you? Okay. All right. Fuck both yeah, of you. Yeah. I'm putting a I'm putting money literally on the table. On the table. I, I that becomes a one by look, the end of it. I, who would take that bet against like, <laughs> You know what? At this point it might become a three. Oh. You dicks. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're just that that's a form of cheating. Um uh Caleb, while I while I choke this down, what are we talking about? Uh in dissecting our fun, our board game segment, because uh, we did just get back from Metatopia, and we're quite fond of them. Keith R. asks, You've mentioned in the past how you're not a fan of head games and bullshitting games at the table. I'm curious what your thoughts are on hidden identity games would be Secret Hitler, The Resistance, Spyfall, Coup, Even, and things of that nature, when lying and judging lies in the context of the game's mechanics. Uh, does that make up for just the arbitrary nature of some games, like Snake Oil, or are you still adverse to it, and why or why not? Yeah, so the hidden identity game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, so let me, all my cards on the table, no pun intended, don't like them. Uh, do, do not enjoy them. Think it adds a layer of complexity and a layer of difficulty that I don't like about games. But before I just kind of like Bogart this whole thing, how do you feel about them? Uh, I'm not crazy about them. I like a good deduction game. Right. So for example, um, uh, Whitechapel. Yeah. Like it's about being deceptive. Sure. Uh, but it is not deceptive as in, like, who is Jack the Ripper? Yeah. Like, um, which is, you know, I think there needs to be a experience at the table and experience outside the table. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem with those deception games, those secret identity games, is that um, it starts making the table bleed into everything else. Yes. And if I want that, I want an RPG or a LARP or yep. something like I'm not playing a poker. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not wanting. Yeah, or yeah. Or just something really poker. honest. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> Honest and how dishonest. That's right. Yeah, Yeah. like this is what we're doing. We're all here. I'm wearing my poker clothes with my poker, you know, welder's mask and all that kind of stuff. So um, 
I'm curious as to like, you know, I think it's really best a matter of expectations for me because like, if I want something that bleeds that far off the table, I go to a different game type. Like, um, yeah, I don't like them. I don't like them for a number of reasons. Thing, thing yeah. number one, uh, a lot of the games that I've played, which are hidden identity games. You're all working as a party, but you're not. And I really, really don't like that, right? So it starts mm-hmm. with all of you are working towards the same goal, but at some point in the game, one of you will do something to make sure that you're working towards a different goal. I don't like that. I think as an expectation, we're either all working to the same goal or we're not working to the same goal. I'm fine with hidden agenda games, though. Uh, yeah, like, also, we're working towards the same goal. I don't want all of us to die, but I need a certain win mechanic. Sure, like Lords of Waterdeep. Like Lords of Waterdeep, yeah. yeah. Where you, know, you can sort of like make deceptive moves if you wish to do that game and you're on that level of play. But it can also be just like, well, no, I'm just going to chase after what I need to do. Sure, I, I think that's okay. Uh, one of the reasons I'm okay with those is that I, I think that there's uh, – and this might go back to your issue of expectations. I think one of the reasons I'm okay with those is that by and large, the agenda becomes quite clear halfway through the game what the agenda is. And it's no longer really a hidden agenda game. I mean, yeah, don't yeah. get me wrong. So I, I play you it like now. it because it fails at doing that job. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because it makes itself clear. So for me, part of the problem – it's an expectation issue to, to use your language. Part of the problem is that it's easier for me to interact with the game cognitively if all of the cards are on the table and now I can just move pieces around. And when you leave something off the table like, oh, and one of you is also – nefariously out to get the others or playing a different game, mm-hmm. uh, it's made it hard for me to process the game, right? To make optimal moves, and that's fucking frustrating to me, if I'm just being honest. Yeah. So not only is it difficult for me to play in them, uh, what's even worse than playing in them is being the person who's who's got the hidden identity. Yeah. I arguably hate that more than being not the person with the hidden identity for a number of reasons. One, terrible, terrible, terrible poker player. Have no poker face, get overly excited, like start to spill things, right? Like when, it, when, when I've got like the made hand or mm-hmm. something. I just am incapable of hiding it. Two, I start to question everything that I'm doing, and it becomes this fucking like black hole of insecurity, right? Yeah. Like I will cough and I'll be like, oh my God. Do you think they think that I coughed just to make it look like I was being normal? And now that it looks like I'm being normal, it looks like I'm not the guy who's trying to hide his identity. And now are they thinking about, is he the guy who's trying to hide his identity because he coughed, but he's also trying to be normal? And the next thing I know, I'm so far down this rabbit hole that I'm actually not playing the game anymore. I'm trying to figure out if I should fucking cough again to like throw you off the <laughs> hypothetical scent. Like that's, that's how I get stuck in those games. So don't like playing in them. You fall into a fugue state. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you see me just drooling, right, it's because I'm trying not to tell you what my role is. Yeah, exactly. Is he gone? No, he's just – he's the hidden identity. Um, so I don't like being a participant as not the hidden identity. I don't like playing as the hidden identity. Third reason I don't like them, and here's the here's kind of my like my robust, comprehensive view of these games. I don't really know anyone or play with too many people that play them very well. Oh, God. That is my number one, two, and three. Yes. Nothing drives me crazier. That's the Ugh. fucking problem, is that I've not I've not played with anybody who, A, doesn't spike the football uh, as soon as it turns out they're the hidden identity, and B, like, who just doesn't... It seems like an excuse to go out, just go out of your way to ruin other people's optimal experience by the end of the game. And I've not found a group where someone, like, benevolently plays the hidden identity in such a way that at the end I'm like, well, novel. How interesting that was that you weren't the person I thought you were. Yeah. What a lovely experience that we've had. Yeah, and like when I play Werewolf or something, it, you know, the basic idea is that you sort of use deductive reasoning 
to try and get past the sort of obvious bullshit of the person who is the werewolf doing the killing, right? Yeah. And I've always been an experience that, like, I'm always playing with someone, because it's usually at a con. That's the only time I get roped in these games. Where they... Um, just don't understand solid logical arguments. Right. They're like, I think I'm going to kill you because you're the werewolf. It's mm-hmm. like, how could I be the werewolf? <laughs> I wasn't in this game until this turn. You you roped me in late. So the previous two people were killed by me before I arrived. Right. And it's like, oh, that's what that's exactly what a werewolf would say. Yeah. And I was like, there oh, you're just no, oh, you're just not smart enough for any of us to win. Okay, that's. Great. Just, I'm excited to sit here for five more turns right. while we wait for this to wind out. And then the end like, you were the werewolf to the person next to me? I had no idea. And I'm just, right. I'm, I'm just, how, how did you not? Yeah. I don't think the mechanic uh, warrants itself to like effective gameplay all the way around. And there, there's nothing more frustrating than a deduction game in which someone is not deducing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, Maybe it, not deducing fast enough is understandable, but not deducing at all. It just grinds to a halt so i understand that that my answer to this question is no i don't like it because i don't think they're fair and i'm not good at them and i don't think other people play them well which is really a lot of uh uh putting this on other people's shoulders and or being selfish in my gaming experience i'm also not above believing that you can be a little selfish in your gaming experience because it's how you choose to spend your time and i don't want to spend my time playing games i don't i will say if this has a mechanic in it i'm not going to quit the game if there's other mechanics sure if there's a hidden identity mechanic in a game like Dead of Winter or something that I will enjoy. Uh, no, I hadn't thought about that. Like, I'm not going to throw it out. But if, like, that is the bread and butter of the game. Yeah, if yeah, it no. is just Secret Hitler. Get or out. Who is the robot? I don't or want who is the shit. werewolf? Right. Or who is the cultist? No, not, not into I'm it. I'm busy. Like, yeah, there's other stuff I could be doing in addition to this that would make this more interesting. Yeah. But I, I don't think I can carry a game for it by itself, at least for me. No, absolutely yeah. not. Now that you've introduced the, like, you know, and then there are games where it is a mechanic. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm a little more sympathetic to this than I thought I was. But that's neither here nor there. Generally, fuck that. I actually like the Dead of Winter one because you draw those cards and like i think if you have a four-player game you're going to draw eight cards and only one of them is going to be a betrayal one mm-hmm. and otherwise it's just going to be a regular right. so, like, choice. so yeah it, so it's a literal yeah. betrayal game right. like well maybe no one's betraying me and i'm being paranoid right which makes it more interesting to me than like well there's definitely a werewolf here yeah like we know y'all motherfuckers y'all definitely a werewolf right. absolutely like uh wait the, is tom here is that yeah tom's tom's a werewolf right <laughs> yeah always um, okay, so anyways... If those- you play Werewolf Tom, kill Tom because he is the werewolf, or kill Tom because he's not the werewolf and he doesn't want to live anymore because he's not the werewolf. <laughs> uh, either way, you win. Yeah. So those are our thoughts on hidden identity games. Uh, maybe unsurprisingly because they're cognitively similar, thematically similar to our bullshitting and bluffing mechanic games, we're not crazy about them either. So if you wanted to send us some of those because you're awesome people who want to send us games, maybe pick other games is what I am saying. Okay, thanks so much. On that note, we're going to grab more beer. We'll be back in just a second. Caleb, 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 what's that? I am drinking from Four Hands Brewing a cast iron oatmeal brown. Give this a shot. Is this a Stillwater rule for you? I think it might be. And... So look, yep, I got a complex explanation here. Complex explanation. <laughs> In terms of oatmeal flavor alone, mm-hmm. probably a three. Okay, but mm-hmm. that elevates it as a whole of the beer up to a four, which because is because 
A four is a fruit punch fruit and punch. or a trilogy because there's an uncanny valley for oatmeal flavored beers. Yeah, if it's like I gotta chew it, it might actually just be oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Five for me, hard yeah. five. I'm really getting in there. Um, and then if it's like, well, it's oatmeal flavored, but otherwise it is liquid. Yeah, that's probably a that's probably a four for me, and that's what this one's doing. It's on the other end. So the viscosity, but, but the place in between where it's like. Yeah. Kind of tastes chunky. That that brings it down for me. The area wow. in between, like wow, a solid and a liquid. I don't like that middle ground. That's going to knock it down to a three or even a two for me. Can I oatmeal. can I tell you something? When you yeah. said Uncanny Valley, and then you started describing your ratings, I thought Caleb doesn't understand how valleys work, right? <laughs> because you were describing just two ends of this thing, but then you threw a thing in the middle there, which yeah. actually made it worse. And I was like, oh my, you fucking blew my mind there. Yeah, there you go. That was. Are you not familiar with the uncanny, uncanny valley? Terribly. I was afraid he wasn't the way he was describing things. Because <laughs> no, no. it's like, wait, are, there's, there's no middle I there. I straddled the valley, and then I went to the middle. Right, because you were describing things, really only two states of beer. You know what I mean? Like thicker beer and thinner beer. And I was like, that's it, man. It's a slope. You know how it is. But, that's but all Spencer, beer. Yeah, I mean, when you're describing two things, you have to describe two of them first before you get to but the But that third. was the five and the four. That's yeah, the yeah. thing I'm confused about. So the idea then that, that some state existed between thinner beer and thicker beer that I wasn't expecting. Right, yeah. We're going to continue this podcast Plasma. on Prezi. Uh, right, we're yeah. going to have to draw some... Yeah, draw some advanced analytics. Let's get a whiteboard. Let's get a whiteboard in here. (laughs) Anyway, so that's a pretty decent beer. Yeah. Good job, Forehands, for being on one end of the uncanny valley here. Mm -hmm. Uh, While you drink that, we're into Binge Binger, which, like, it got some votes. Don't get me wrong. Honestly, we just haven't done a Binge Binger in a while, and there was a pretty good subtopic suggestion. And so I thought, let's fucking talk about TV. Yeah. So we're going to talk about TV. And in this Binge Binger, Maddie Gibbons has asked, would you ever consider going on a reality show? And if so, which one? And I got thoughts on this. I got thoughts, too. I'm going to let you start. All right. Knee-jerk reaction. Dear God, no. Right. Absolutely. Like, that is the correct answer. Under no circumstances <laughs> right. would I do that. However, I thought about it for half a second. Oh. There's a brand of reality TV show where the reality of the TV show is just giving you free shit. It was like, well, I milk gerbils for a living, and mm-hmm. she teaches math through interpretive dance. Our minimum dollar for a house is $2 million. Like, <laughs> And then you're like, well, that's, that's bullshit. Right. Um, yeah. And then they just give you a new fucking house right. or like turn your trailer into a mansion. And, you know, I think I could deal with, you know, a three-day shoot of like... <gasps> Oh my god, it looks so great. Right. And like just being, you know, cuz they're not great actors either. If if when they left and after I sobbed cuz it was finally over, mm-hmm. I was left for like a brand new home or a car with a fish tank in right. the trunk right. or any you know, so there's a brand of reality TV show where they just give you free shit for an excuse to like make you do dumb reactions where I'd be like you know what? I've done more degrading things for less money. So I would be in for that. I feel like Now, like, the big brothers of the real world, the whole, like, I just want to be my own brand level of celebrity, or, like, even stuff that would help us. Like, we're selling Party Foul on Shark Tank, but, like, they're judging my work of Party Foul. Yeah. No. Not not worth the withering criticism of all of America. Can't do it. My heart would explode, and I would die on the floor. Yeah. But if I just have to, like, faux surprise to get free shit... Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I'll do that all day. I yeah. feel like you interpreted the question as, would you ever take something for free? Which, like, I appreciate. Don't get well, me wrong. Well, it's not for free. <laughs> yeah, I have to, to react. Yeah, I have to react and be on a reality show and be presented to the scorn of every mouth breather in America. There is a heavy price to pay. Yeah. yeah but the exchange rate is better if I get, like, a new house in the deal right. or a brand new car. No, you're not wrong about that. Yeah. yeah. I, so, I, 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 confession time. I think about this almost every day. <laughs> <laughs> because the bulk of my television consumption. If Sarah, wait, wait. If Spencer's staring off into space, he's either A, playing werewolf, yeah. or B, thinking about what reality TV show he wants to be can I Can I make a total uneducated guess that yeah. I bet is 100% accurate? Your number one pick would be Naked and Afraid. Oh, absolutely not. Oh, my God. That'd be the number zero pick. That would be the worst pick. Uh, Whatever the back of the line uh, is. So you're, you're, doing the lo- you're doing reverse psychology. That's right. To, That's right. To pick you for Naked yeah. and Afraid. I, I, yeah. I'm not a never nude, but I'm not not a never nude, so Naked and Afraid is not happening. You know what I mean? Plus all the dangerous animals and diseases. Honestly, less scary to me than the being naked on camera. So, yeah. I'm being totally honest. You got gout. I don't care. I got pants on. You know what I mean? Like, that's fucking great, man. Um, so, the bulk of our television consumption in my household is reality television. Yeah. Um, Big Brother, Survivor, Hell's Kitchen, Master Chef, Great oh, British cooking. Baking Gotta Show. Be a nightmare. Right, exactly. Great British Baking Show. I made a Tostinos. Right. <laughs> Yeah. What yeah. do you think, Paul? I got this I got this bread from where? Over there. Someone else made it. I put it in the oven and warmed it. Um but but also like real housewives of insert city. I mean, it is a, a top chef uh below deck. Look, I'm just naming reality shows at this point to yeah. show you, show you that I'm an expert here. Um so there are the com- there are the competition-based reality shows, there are the drama-based reality shows, and then there are the get free shit reality-based television shows, okay? You have occupation like, oh yeah, we just make cakes here. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, make I make fish aquariums. Look right. at me go. Yeah, like, yeah, occupation based. Okay, yeah. The ones that I spend the bulk of my time on uh, are the competition based ones mm-hmm. uh, and the occupation ones, which are kind of the cooking, the profit. Yeah, which we talked. We talked right. about. I run right. a terrible knife store. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Look how terrible it is. Right. Did you want to have some of it? <laughs> um, so, so we watch. So, Big Brother in particular is probably when Big Brother's on, it shuts me down. Yeah, it's no, on you, three days a week. I won't do shit on nights where Big Brother is happening. And if Big you Bro- ever go missing, I'm going to check to see if Big Brother's on first before I call. The That's police. right. But here's the thing, right? So, like, I watch a lot of these competition-based reality shows: Hell's Kitchen, Survivor, Big Brother, and and at some point in the very the very like recent past. I have had to tell myself when watching those shows that I don't need to stress out about what I would do if I also had to bake a pizza only using wood-fired materials and not actual crust. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't know if it's an empathy thing. I don't know if it's a I can't understand the world if I don't process it through my lens because I'm an egomaniac. But for years, I would watch Big Brother and be, like, stressed the whole time, like, oh, my God, how the fuck will I handle that when it happens to me? Because it's going to, obviously. So only recently have I been able to kind of separate myself and be like, it's okay. You don't have to worry about how you would handle this ridiculous scenario on Survivor. (laughs) Because guess what? You're not going to swim out to the buoy and dive down 15. I used to watch Survivor episodes and be like... Oh my god! Like I can't hold my breath that long. How the fuck am I going to find those keys down there and untie those knots, guys? You know what I mean? So like, 
<laughs> I, I have had to distance myself from that. So yes, Maddie, I have considered going on a reality show, and by and large, it has been no to all of them. But as I've gotten older and wiser in the last mm, six to eight weeks, um, I am much more comfortable saying I would go on a reality show, and if I were going to go on a reality show, I would like for it to be a talent-based reality show. On some show for which I had a talent. That's kind of the key. Oh, thing. God. I'm like, I want you to dance with the stars. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, I think actually I would probably crush that. We all know that I'm a fairly skilled dancer, so I don't think that would be a weird thing. I could probably get mm, solidly fifth on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> I'm willing to lean into that stuff a little bit. But but just like you... Well, would we have to make you a star first? Otherwise, wow, then you'd be the choreographer. And that's just like, who... Wow, Caleb! Thank you. <laughs> I mean, unless you have a choreography degree, was this was this all just some long con to remind me that I'm not very important in the world? <laughs> you know what? When we were at Metatopia, James Burns described us as pseudo internet celebrities. Okay, and frankly, it was the greatest thing that's ever. It's happened. true. They're going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel eventually. <laughs> that's right. There's only so many stars before right. they get to us. I, I hope that he was using the word pseudo there to modify internet and not celebrity. You know what I mean? Like kind of internet, but definitely celebrity. Um, so I would go on a reality show. Uh, if it was like a talent-based competition show and I had that talent, I would definitely do that. Like, I so think what be, talent is this reality show based on? That's a good question. Um, so, honestly, if I could sing, I would dive headfirst into... I think they do have singing shows. Well, but I don't have okay. singing talent. Okay. But if I could, I would dive headfirst. I want to be clear about this. Probably, probably the X Factor more than American Idol, and maybe even the voice more than the X Factor. So I'd probably go voice, then X Factor. Yeah, they're not super mean on the voice. No, they're yeah, actually usually they're pretty, pretty nice. supportive. The I meanest part is when they don't choose you. Yeah. Right? And then you get a sad walk down the stage. Yeah, exactly. And and then they, and then other people have the opportunity to like steal you, you know? So like even if someone doesn't choose mm-hmm. you, somebody else could choose you, I guess. Um, so I would probably go on a singing show. I would definitely go on a dancing show if I could dance. Actually, let, let me rephrase my answer to this. If I had any talent... <laughs> I would go on that reality show for that talent. I would totally do that. That's yes, fair enough. I fucking would. So we're going to start a new Patreon level where I cultivate a talent over the next four to seven years, <laughs> and then you all pay for me to go try out for something. Roughly the time I'm 38. Yeah. So we'll just we'll get to they work love on that. 38 year olds on reality TV. True or false? I could make it through the first round of So You Think You Can Dance. <laughs> Just like on, on sheer gall, yeah, just, yeah. Just like I think clothes. you get put in the supercut, bare minimum. Uh, like where, like right now, I'm wearing a hoodie and jeans that haven't fit for years, and some shoes, maybe. Yeah, you could go for the audacity pick. Just, yeah, yeah. I can't believe you're, he, you're ignoring an entire category of reality shows. That's the business owner one. So you know, you're yeah, I definitely tattoo stores. One. They're right. bi- you know, the, and you don't have to be qualified at all. In fact, that's the point of the shows that yeah. you're not qualified. So right. you just get a business and struggle at it. Yeah, and then like, hey, there's a dozen shows you could be. That's in. true. Well, maybe I could. Maybe I could. Pu- I could like permute these together. So. There was one in Springfield about a tattoo store. Right. Yeah. Like, tattoo yeah. or whatever ink or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh so. wait, wait. I thought of another one I could be on. Yeah. Hoarders. I could be uh, that guy that cleans up houses and hoarders. Oh, I was like, you're not a hoarder. No, that was most of my childhood was uh, cleaning up uh, hoarders' <laughs> houses because right. they were my family members. Right. And so, like, that guy they always cut to who's not therapist and not supportive is like, this shit's <laughs> fucking crazy. Just light it on fire. Right. Uh-huh. Like, I got a match. Yeah. We could just get this done now. It's like, really just pyromania. I'll That's put it right. in a dumpster yeah. first, okay? Brute manual yeah, labor yeah. and then uh, just 
guffawing at people's stupidity. Uh, I can handle that for like a 30-second bit. Let's yeah. put these two bits together, though. <laughs> so I open a business where I try to get good at a talent to go on a reality show, <laughs> and I'm not good at it, so someone has to come in and rescue the business. So I get on a reality show. There you go. The <laughs> That's the fucking long con, man. <laughs> yeah. Wait, no. The business is uh, dealing with hoarders. Uh, you're not good at it. There you go. Got you, you got a star employee. You I, should buy more stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always knew. I always knew that the mix six was just a stair step to something else oh, and thanks. that's it yeah two right. two hours so you're out now yeah, yeah. oh absolutely yeah. <laughs> right yeah well we'll just we'll move it over it'll be a television show Oh, okay i'm sure enough. i'm sure tlc is listening i know you're looking for new new entertainment yeah you picked up the mcelroys get us we're basically the same thing <laughs> yeah that's right with more hoarding yeah or actually more it's like CISO or verves or whatever the streaming thing yeah is whatever doomed enterprise you're welcome who's probably buying shit <laughs> yeah. television yeah. yeah uh okay it's time for more beer and something else Hey Spencer, what are you drinking? So also from Four Hands Brewing, it's a theme, and it's a theme because Bill Sundwall and Melissa Sundwall mm-hmm. and Honora Sundwall were in St. Louis, where Four Hands is, some months ago. And as a gift to the podcast, brought us back a bunch of St. Louis-based beers. Yes, thank you. So here we are drinking a Four Hands Brewing Company's Contact High, brewed with orange zest. So I'm really excited about this, I guess. Do you know zest is actually shredded skin of the orange? Like, it's it's uh, very finely shredded. I did know that because I watch a lot of cooking reality shows. Oh, I know. Well, well uh, maybe the listeners didn't know. Wow. Um, I have a zest story, but it's off topic. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Uh, it's a three, is what it is. It's like it's an IPA ish, and it's a little bit light on the back end, which is nice. It's not like super duper hoppy. There's no orange. Could also be because I just I had a club cracker before we started recording because I was hungry. Yeah, it's buttery, buttery orange. People love that. <laughs> yeah, there's no orange in there really. It's fine. It's, it's just it's just kind Let of a standard IPA. Yeah, it's a ginger, ginger booch. Let me try. I don't. I would not buy that beer again. It might be a two. Uh, I think three is right. Oh boy. You take, really smell the hops. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's on the front end, and then it just kind of dies. Anyway, we were moving into our house together for the first time, and Sarah's parents were buying us kitchen yeah. utensils at Target, and there will be a segment after this. But they told they asked if we needed a zester, and I'm like, well, that's not a thing. And so we had a five-minute argument about whether a zester a thing. I'm like, that's not what zest means. It means, like, with verve. And no. I'm, like, demonstrating with my hand. No. I'm like, I think you're making things up. Like, because I, I was just... To yeah. zest. Yeah. yeah, no, it's a real thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I've learned that now. It took me a while, though, because it seems too ridiculous to be real. I had to learn when I, I was trying to have recipe out. And then I was like, right, on a lot of the British yeah. baking shows, there's a lot of zesting. Yeah, yeah. this was pre-my British baking show. Oh. <laughs> including, <laughs> But deep in the Totino's area if, of if pizza. You, well, yeah, where you, the, the pepperoni zest. Yeah, if yeah. You've not, if, well, that actually is where things are described as zesty, <laughs> so it's probably the right way. Yeah. Um, you should check out the Big Family Cooking Showdown on Netflix. That's my plug for that. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. okay anyways, this is totally off topic and not at all related to what we're going to talk about now which is in your number two vote getter getting lit or richer or richer 
a renter. Uh, we are talking about uh, the work of David Wong, a.k.a. Jason Partridge. Pargin. 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 P-A-R-G-I-N. Okay. Um, one of the head writers for a long time, since I think 2007, for Craft. For a long fucking time. Um, who has written four novels, of which I am in the midst of reading the fourth. Um, and his work is something else. Yeah, you get... Something worth talking about. Because you're in the middle of the fourth, you get to drive this train. Uh, my... Uh, other than having read Cracked for years. Uh, Which is also needs to be commented on. Yeah. yeah. Re- well, I Have read, you seen the movie? Uh, yeah. So I read uh, John Dies, John at, Dies the at the End. Or I didn't read it. I, I watched John Dies at the yeah. End first. Yeah, yeah. And then I think I went back and kind of like perused. But um, I was kind of fascinated by it. And I found the whole thing very interesting and good. Uh, and, I, and I tried to watch it again. And uh, so I, I'm kind of looking for you. Are all of the things like as metatextual as John dies at the end is? Is that kind of yeah. the bit here? Yeah, right. Yeah, they are. But okay. like, I mean, so the thing about David Wong or Jason Pargin um, is, man, his 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 written work is so bizarre. I mean, you can see where it comes from from his like um, sort of, I guess I'd call it nonfiction humorous work on mm-hmm. Cracked mm-hmm. Uh, with the voice and some of the jokes yeah. and and like the crudeness. But it it really is um it's a different animal. So like first off, he's like one of the most popular writers on the internet. Uh, there's dozens of things you should read about him. Also, I think he's one of the most introspective writers on the internet I've ever seen. I agree like, with that. Yeah. Like um I, I, in terms of cultural studies, like if I taught a class, I would teach a David Wong essay or two, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I I wouldn't feel bad about it. Like uh, yeah, okay, it doesn't fucking cite Mikhail Bakhtin, but it's it's fucking good. Um, and yes, he refers to Dunbar's number as the monkey sphere, but that's a funny way of referring to Dunbar's number. Like he's uh, intensely introspective. Um, there's some stuff that he said, like at certain times in my life, that changed the way I think about things. Right. Um, he he coined a term I had not heard of called effort shock, which is just like if you were raised on '80s movies montages, you have no earthly conception of how long it takes to get good at things. Yeah, and it's just like that's why a lot of things are the way they are in yeah. your world right now. For sure, you have no realistic idea. Of how many hours it takes to good. That's a good thought. And I understand it's like pop psychology, and I understand it's kind of introspective. There's a place for that. And post-Trump, he's gotten a little, like, centrist. Mm -hmm. Like, well, they had a point. And I'm like, well, I can't go with you there, David. Right. Uh, There's the bridge too far for me. Uh, But his his written work is so bizarre, because in some ways, it's like every Call of Cthulhu scenario I've ever played, uh, in that it is... Uh, while it is dealing with extremely dark subject matter, right. it refuses to take it too seriously. That was the thing that struck me. Uh, two things struck me about John Dies at the End. Um, first was, yeah, the well, the fucking title. I mean, tells you where, where things are going, yeah. right? But but everything that happens in there to lead you to that point is gruesome, odd, disfiguring, dismembering, weird. Alienating. Yes. Defamiliarization. That's like, right. Intense cosmic horror and level yet, stuff. Yet it does it with the tone of like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah. Um, there is a really uh, – playful doesn't get there because playful suggests almost to intention. Um, lighthearted, Vonnegut-like, flippant, like, oh, yeah, and this thing happened, and this yeah. thing happened, and here we are. The second thing that got me um, – not, not to extrapolate too much or kind of like r- run afoul of where you were going, uh, was the depth of conversation. Uh, and that's maybe something you'd plan on talking about. Yeah. Th- 
things spiral downward rather quickly and rather intelligently between mm-hmm. characters that ought not be able to conjure such yeah. words sometimes. Uh, and so, yeah, I think the tone, uh, the tone with which he addresses this like terribly difficult, deep, in- introspective, insightful stuff, fascinating to me. It's like, one of the few things I've taken away from very little of what I've read of David Wong. Yeah. Um, so I'm just sort of struck in the recent book in that um, I won't give away too many spoilers, but there's a point in where there's uh, sort of an imposter syndrome thing. You know, what do you do when there's a perfect doppelganger right. that can imitate everything and they sort of reveal something in a character's memory um that i actually went back and cross-referenced in um uh this book is full of spiders don't open no seriously yeah um that actually occurs in that book in like a half second like single clause mention um and then uh, it references in the book, and it realized that uh, the imposter is not an imposter. It's made up the memories. Hmm. So, like, uh, it's wow. like, well, I took him to such and such a place. And then if you go back to that book, that place burned down before they wow. would have taken into that place. So it reveals there. the, like, so it's intentionally, like, like intensely plotted out. And, yeah. then, and then you read something that's not in the John series, like uh, Futures of Violence and Fancy Suits. Which is like this weird libertarian musing on tech bros and, and nonsense and the like commentary on the superhero story while still grounded in this sort of like Midwestern poverty, you know, character that is constantly worried about like covering their shifts at work mm-hmm. and stuff while they're, you know, fighting to close the gate or some nonsense. Um, and it's just it does all that kind of stuff. And then it also like refuses to take it play seriously. So there's a point in the book where uh, I'm reading currently where, like, they uh, have, like, a full-blown villain, like, Hannibal Lecter monologue with, like, facial mutilation, all that kind of stuff. And then in perfect David Wong style, which I think his only rule is never, never be comfortable in what the next chapter is. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, if it says we're going to go arrive here and do that, have anything but that happen yeah, like yeah. be completely different than that and so then it jump cuts from like this big Hannibal Lecter like off-putting scene of like villainous monologue into John and David having a dildo fight in a flooded out sex shop mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like dueling with dildos uh, as they wake up from being too high and it's yeah. just like oh yeah what if a Cthulhu scenario was played out by a 26 year old Finital addict like yeah, you know like yeah. um, and it's just <laughs> It's really odd for me, considering especially like his introspection, his sort of like moving to the coast and then eventually moving back to the Midwest after like getting a job in production and you know running cracked yeah. and like you know going what is technically like a very liberal, uh, very intellectual academic style, and then this sort of like uh, what I find interesting about the books, in addition to like being funny. And, like, great fodder for the Cthulhu scenarios. Like, yeah. if your friends don't read them and you cut the dick jokes out of them, you right. can, like, make a really terrifying scenario out of shit that sure. happens and John dies in the end. I pulled uh, stuff from This Book is Full of Spiders for Red Markets because the majority of the damage from the zombie outbreak is caused from people thinking they understand the zombie outbreak. Right. And there's, like, three people that were actually turned into zombies and everybody else was mass murdered in hysteria. Right. Um, like, you know, I, there's a lot of great ideas in it. But in addition to that, I find it interesting how he, like, sort of, like, 
can't get over his trailer park days. Like he sort of mm-hmm. consider like has to undercut himself. Yeah. And I, I wonder if part of that is like his brand because he's a comedy writer. Sure, but I also wonder if that part of that is just like I don't know a little bit of like Midwest self hatred because that makes me relate to him all the more. I like, was going to well, say that that's that's in our blood. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. I wrote this really great scene that's really affecting. I better follow it with like just the crudest right you know poop joke i can come up with yeah for sure yeah and like so it's really intense it's really interesting to see that waffle back and forth and they're genuinely funny books yeah like um and you never know what's going to happen next because the characters don't either right um and i also think that uh on the side thought is like it's deeply cosmic too because like when you live in this nihilistic lovecraftian universe where nothing has meaning right the the sort of like demure uh baroque like decadent you know, high mahogany shelves full of ancient tombs, like, you know, that kind of stuff is uh, sort of too serious for a situation mm-hmm. when you're like a dumb pile of meat that like means nothing. Yeah. And so sort of waffling back into cosmic absurdity with that. Right. Which is, um, which in is some way I think what I'm in on. Yeah. Super hard. Was I, what I think fits better. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know, I've said this before, I think on this podcast about Vonnegut, the, 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 the randomness of the cosmic, of the, the, the cosmos, right? It's for yeah. me, the thing about Vonnegut that I love so much, right? We just embrace that, you know? Yeah. If nothing means anything, cause you're star shit. Right. Don't like be sad about it and mount an expedition to Antarctica. Like, right? Yeah, don't take on. yourself so fucking seriously. Like, yeah, that's the first thing to do. I think that's what. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that. Um, I think that's a really good way of putting it. Uh, it's also something. Uh, thanks for contributing to this guilt, which is like I know I need to read more, and that's very much something that probably needs to go at the top of that reading list. Um, but it probably won't make its way there anytime soon because and, yeah, guilt around reading yeah. and time. Uh, and if you're if you're a gamer. Uh, I defy you to play a character better than David and John in those books because they actively avoid knowledge because they want to avoid sand loss. So they will actively flee from their problems and the actual impetus for adventure. Uh, The entire book is them rejecting the call to adventure, and it never actually comes to them like having the arc where they accept it. Like It stays off that archetypal path because they never want to be there. Right? Uh, They're always put upon by it. And as a result, they're super paranoid. And so like by book three of this series... Every everything is traps. Sure. Like yep. their their house is covered in weapons and like arcane artifacts, and they never go outside. And they're like just paranoid, crazy yeah, assholes. For sure, it's pure player character behavior. Like uh, yes, I I I will negate the premise of the game mm-hmm. and how many weapons can I have while I do it. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it fits perfectly. Absolutely, it's like people responding to the mix six weekend ratings. Uh, yeah, not by actually telling us what they're doing, but instead by telling us "fuck you" for your rating system. Yeah, that's okay. that's the premise. Cool. Rather, yeah, thanks everybody it's um, not a bug it's a feature yeah yeah um <laughs> producer ross you jumping in there for something i just was it sounds like you're beginning to try to do do some uh damage control on uh possible comments on what this i'm system. saying is <laughs> i think the the weekend systems are perfect okay and the bulk of the responses that we get to those which are great are actually people telling me how they're not perfect rather than telling me what they're actually drinking or doing for the weekend is all I am saying, okay? You argumentative batch of fucks, okay? That's on you, We people. appreciate your contribution. Right, but I yeah. love you. Keep yeah. commenting. But yeah. it's really great. Thanks, guys. Uh, okay, we're going to grab more beer. We'll be back in a second. Caleb, what's that? This is from Sun King Brewery in Indianapolis. 
uh, Fistful of Hops. Yep. One of the Gen Con Hall. One of the Gen Con Hall. I'm going to try it on air. And we all know that you love IPAs. Yeah. So I imagine this is going to go well. This will go Sun super King's well. Sun King's been doing super great for us so far. It would, it would be fitting if the hoppy beer got a hoppy rating. Oh, nope. It's you not know what? Happen. It's actually a, it's a ginger. Oh. Well, that's not what I was expecting. I yeah. think this is what I like the most of every Sun King Beer we've had so far. No, there was a sour. There that was I a kind of like. Oh, the sour was okay. Yeah, the there was Kings a sour reserve, like yeah. yeah, ten episodes ago. But it's a solid shit. IPA. Okay, yeah. well, that's fine. I mean, it's probably a three because it's an IPA. Right. I can't even relate on quality. It might yeah. be a four for somebody. I else. feel like at some point we probably need to start doing like an IPA specific system, right? Like yeah. regular. Let's beers. make this as complicated. Let's handicap certain <laughs> types of beers yeah, depending absurd. on who is yeah. drinking. IPA, it. you add one to every. Why well, use right. integers? Let's use you know three point some. Yeah, exactly. Let's right. turn this shit into Metacritic or as like quick yeah. as possible. <laughs> Colors like this is a three purple. You know what yeah. I mean? And then we'll let someone else figure out the math. What are we talking about? So this is Ask Mixed Six. This is your opportunity to ask us a question, which usually probes deep into our. Views of the world. And today, Levi, Levi strikes a chord. The question, if a doctor recommended that you quit drinking beer, would you? And, because everybody likes a double-barreled question, what would you miss the most? What have you Fuck. heard? What have you heard? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you talking to, Levi? Uh, no and all of it, <laughs> to kind of give you the short there. Um, but no, I did think about this very critically, because it's a fair question. Uh, and so I am going to let you dive in first. Oh, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, heavy ass question. If a doctor it. recommended that you quit drinking beer, would you stop? I think I think it's a objectively no. Wow, just leaning right into it. Well, I mean, I have proof of other things doctors have recommended I stop doing that I have proceeded to continue doing. So. Let me ask you, if you really trusted the doctor, right? Not just some, like, rando who you saw one time for, like, a checkup, and they're like, you should quit drinking beer. Well, generally, I trust most doctors based... I'm not, like, the kind of person who's like... I mean, there was that couple that tried to kill me, but aside from them... Other than those people. The other ones have always pretty pretty good. But, like, here's the thing. Um, At this point, part of my income is from this show, right. and it's very important, and I'm very grateful for it. Right. And the parts of my health that I know are not good mm-hmm. are also parts of my health that I cannot change considering my personal discipline mindset. Like, mm-hmm. I, it is a resource, and I have a finite amount of it, mm-hmm. and my income situation. So, like, I need to stop drinking caffeine, like, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Actually, more like like seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I also have to get up at like 4.30 every day and right. drive a commute through mountain misty roads right. with deer trying to kamikaze into me. So That sounded very pleasant until uh, it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to do that half asleep. And I also don't want to like teach kids half asleep. And when I were and there for like 12 hours and then I have to get in a car and like go do a podcast. I also don't want to be like yeah, and then the beer was a, like, I don't want to fall asleep. So, like, yeah, I'm going to keep drinking caffeine because, like, it's required for my survival. Mm-hmm. Not just, like, because I'm addicted to it. I am. Right. Don't don't get that twisted. Yeah. Completely no. yeah. fiending I would for hate, it. I would hate to leave that out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like some naked lunch William S. Burroughs shit for me in a full throttle. It's I intense. Will, yeah. Crawl across glass, talk to a cockroach. Right. Whatever it takes to do. Uh, but... Um, I mean, I couldn't quit if I wanted to because, like, I quit in the summer. I don't drink that shit during the summer when right. I can, like, get decent hours of sleep. Sure. But I can't because that's not my life and it doesn't allow for it. And, so let's yeah. say hypothetically you would, that you would heed the advice of this medically trained professional. What would you miss the most? 
What I miss the most? Yeah. Well, this, obviously. Duh. <laughs> are, are, are having some sort of, um, yeah, the social lubricant we've talked before. Yeah. Like, the ability to have, the same reason I love board games is the reason I love drinking. Yep. Like, the more processes we can drop in between us yep. to, like, focus on, to, like, let social interaction mm-hmm. be not a conscious kind of thing, right. the better off all of us are, Amen. as far as I'm concerned. Yep. When we're not just locked eyes being like, what do you do for a living? Right. I do yeah. that. And right. then, no, <laughs> anything but that. And beer is the main thing that prevents that for me. Sure. So that's great. I would miss that a lot. I'm going to say this. Uh, if a medically trained professional uh, told me that I needed to stop drinking beer, I would stop drinking beer. Like I want, I want to own. That. I will put a flag in the ground on that right now. Um, would it be awful? It would not because I'm an alcoholic, probably, um, <laughs> but because it is an important part of how I interact with people, and I like it. Honestly, I just enjoy the fucking taste of beers. You yeah. know what I mean? Like there are two. Po- I would hope so, or else this is like yeah. Really, put rating you system out. would be really different. <laughs> uh, there are two pomplamooses in my fridge right now from oh, Perennial Artisan Ales that I'm just like I I think about actively going home and opening them, but I'm saving them for things, and like I'm looking forward to that because I enjoy the taste of that beer so much. If I had a click remote, I would probably fast forward through this week, right, to, to get to get that, to that, to get to the pomplamooses. That's right. Yeah. And do you know what I almost enjoy as much, if not more, than the taste of beer? Being a little bit drunk, like it is fun to be a little bit drunk i enjoy um feeling like hey it's not weird to talk to people and hey it look at all these people who uh were probably awful before you got a little drunk but now they're humans and therefore you can talk to them about stuff and you've been drunk so go talk to them about things and so i would do it if i had to do it i i would be unhappy af as it were um and it would be a dark dark moment for me but i would do it if a medically trained professional that I respected, which I think is actually an important condition that I respected, told me that I needed to do it, I would do it. What would I miss the most? Uh, probably the social lubricant thing. Oh, God. Hands down. Yeah. It's not, it's not just the – you know, there's two sides to that social lubricant coin, right? One of them is everyone appears a little less frightening when you're drunk because they're all just moving things. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. You literally dull the articulation of any one identity or human by way of dulling the senses. Mm -hmm. The other side of that coin is there's like a perfect level of consumption where you're also like Superman or Wonder Woman or whoever the superhero you aspire to be is. You're, You're perfect. You know what I mean? Like you're awesome and the things that you do are awesome and the ideas that you have at this moment are also very awesome. And so here are these people who are less intimidating by way of having been dulled articulately in your mind and you've got all of this awesome stuff like your essence and your ideas to share. The the meeting of those two conditions yeah. is the perfect level of drug. See, I never feel so awesome but the dulled thing makes sense to me. Oh my like God. you ever you ever you ever like like you need to go get the mail or, or there's something outside. And yeah, like, I've, I've needed to. Go and you're to like, mail. you're you're looking at your shoes. You're like, they're too far away. Right. And then like, you go through this little thing, and you're like, well, I'm a man. Right. Like we were we're persistent hunters. Like I've walked bare. My ancestors walked barefoot for miles. Right. And then you go outside and you actually go get the mail in your yep. bare feet. And right. then the, the regret just sinks in sure. as like you get the gravel and you're filthy and like it's really hot on a right. summer day. Wash your feet off. And you're just like, God damn. Oh no, why did I do this? Uh, that for me is a social interaction without 
any kind of social lubricant mm, there. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, I didn't need shoes until, oh, no, I need shoes. They're, right. like, super vital. There's a reason we invented those. Like, yeah, why would we go without them? Like, mm-hmm. it's it's farcical to go without them. I was This was a huge mistake. Right. Uh, yeah, and that, that, that for me would be most social interactions with strangers. Yeah, that's a big part of it. But you've never had the, like, oh, and I'm a little drunk and I feel like I could do anything? Uh, no, I... I'm also me. Oh, my God. So that's probably not going to happen. I get... I I, I don't know if it's a type of... I know that it's not certain... Not certain types of alcohol that causes that, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if there are other types that do. I don't know if it's a quantity thing as opposed to a type thing, but there is a... There's like a plateau level of drunk for me, which lasts far too... Far too... I mean, are you talking about tequila? Because like... No. Well, no. Yeah. I felt I could never die, but like it's not the same as... No, no, no. There's like a... There's like a level of drunk in which suddenly you kind of you embody like almost a Johnny Bravo esque spirit. Like I don't know, I am I am that good. Like suddenly, <laughs> all of the things that I look at in the morning on my body, and I go, "What did I do to myself?" I look at it that level of drunk, and I'm like, "Man, what did I do to myself?" Though you know, like suddenly because it's working, right? Exactly. It's like this hoodie isn't hiding fat. It's showing it off. You know what I mean? And suddenly it's all flipped on me. And that's like the perfect amount of drunk for me. And I don't know what the equation is. I'm not, it's a little bit of a black box. But I know when I end up there. Mm. And when I end up there, I'm like, this is it. You know what I mean? No. This. No. no oh, okay. Well, that that's the thing. Well, I'm, I'm like, you know what? I think I can take that Christmas tree. Yeah. But I'm probably going to regret finding it later. You know what, though? But you, you did take that Christmas yeah, tree. Yeah, that motherfucker looks like it deserves it. It's not standing up anymore, yeah. is it, Christmas no, tree? And guess who is? Caleb motherfucking Stokes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I lived. I think that's I think that's about all hey, on that. Hey, Levi, don't worry, though. This is one of the many reasons I don't go to doctors. That's right, yeah. Um, so you're all safe. Thanks. Mix six forever. Th- all right. I, I, like that, I like that Levi... Uh, just backdoor asked if we would be willing to admit that we're alcoholics. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. okay, cool, man. Way to try yeah. to sneak it in there. Yeah, thanks. We're cool. too clever for you. That was a lot of fun. Uh, so <laughs> I guess I guess since we don't have to stop drinking, we'll go get more beer, and we'll be back in a second. Spencer, what are you drinking? So this is from Big Ditch Brewing Company in Buffalo, New York. It's their Hayburner American IPA. It is a 7.2% alcohol content by volume, and I will be trying it live. I think this is from Dan VK, another one of the Gen Con Hall. I'm not sure, though. It might be a bill. I'd, I'd have to go back to our records and check it. The ledger. Yeah, the ledger. I take photos, all right, <laughs> just to keep track of who did it's what. leather-bound volume on a <laughs> lectern. I'm be honest. Yeah? That is a fruit punch. Really? And I don't love me some IPAs. You don't like IPAs anymore. Nope, but that's a good IPA. Can I get it on I'm there? Gonna pass that around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Chug, chug, pass. Like um, zombie dust territory. God, can we talk about zombie dust? Though? I, still got, I still got one in my fridge. And oh, that, that's very good. That's very that's good. very light for an yeah, IPA. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I still got a zombie dust in my fridge, and the day party foul goes live, that thing <laughs> is just going down. Um, yeah. If I had to have IPAs, right? I would exactly. have that. Exactly. Yeah. No, good on Big Ditch. Or I think that's their name. I don't know. I've already lost the can. Okay. <laughs> Um, anyways, uh, we're here in Armchair Director, which is your number one vote-getter this week. And Caleb, what are we talking about? 
We're going to talk about uh, something that I'm. we were probably really late on, but I'm fine with Super it. Super late. Uh, Blade Runner 2049, top three reasons why it worked so damn well. So damn well. So why, why it was such a good movie, it kept you in a theater in which a mouse coexisted. There was a mouse. I'm just sitting there waiting for the fucking movie to start, and I look back in this really comfy chair, and I'll be damned, there's a little mouse just like walking. I thought we were going to have to leave New Jersey. Uh, from my knowledge of Spencer, but you held it together for this movie, which is so impressive. I want you to know that it looked like I was holding it together, but inside, I was dying. I mean, it was heroic. (laughs) I'm not not discounting your bravery. Yeah, and here's how good Blade Runner 2049 was. Spoiler alert, I loved it. About an hour and a half in, I almost forgot about the mouse. You know what I mean? (laughs) It came real close. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so look, what, was it down like by your feet or was it on a seat? So it was Different in, aisle, it was behind in a row us. behind oh, okay. us. Yeah. yeah. So like we were in these big ass sneaking up on him. Right. <laughs> and I'm just like nobody else in the theater. I thought I heard something. So I looked back thinking, oh, one other person will join us in this theater. So I look back. Nope, that didn't happen. No, but out of the corner of my eye, I see something on this Vegas-like carpet. And I'm like, well, what the fuck is that? And I look down, and it's just this little mouse just doing his job, working across the aisles. Probably looking for crumbs, maybe cleaning. I doubt it. I didn't think he was a Disney mouse. Um, And he's just moving along. And I said to Caleb, oh, look, a mouse. And Caleb didn't see the mouse, and then I thought, fuck, I look crazy now. Um, <laughs> but I saw the mouse, and I worried, anyways, neither here nor there. This isn't about the mouse. Anyway, great movie. <laughs> great movie. You should go see it. Thanks, everybody. Uh, look, Blade Runner was fucking exceptional. Yeah, it's it's damn good. And I, I want to start... Denny I, V. I want to start... Oh, God, Denny V. I want to start this conversation with, only weeks ago, you refused to see it and were convinced it was going to be one of the worst movies in history. Because uh, I'd seen what Ridley Scott had done to the Aliens properties. Right. And I don't think I was without reason to have pause. Yeah. All right? Well, yeah. Like, I, I was a little scared for for reasons of Ridley Scott. Right. And and I th- both, both producer Ross and I, correct me if I'm wrong, were pretty appalled at how anti the idea of even seeing it you were. I had not read anything that yeah. said Ridley Scott was not allowed on set. Right. Ridley Scott didn't know it was made until it was already done. <laughs> right. Ridley Scott is under house arrest in his home, He's cut not- off from all communications, unable to ruin this thing I love, and therefore I got really worried because right. he's he's tricky. He's not asbestos. He's not a, like <laughs> he isn't. He's not. <laughs> Did you see Prometheus? <laughs> yeah. I would prefer asbestos. <laughs> so luckily, Blade if Runner- I saw asbestos, I could run sideways and or he- perhaps read a map to or leave declare the area. him a super fun side. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then. And you could get something out of it. So uh, I want to talk about there. We so you'd already seen it. Uh, you were like, "Well, I'd go see it again." We of course debated at length about whether or not we would leave the comforts of our hotel room whilst we were hungover and watching the Scooby Doo. <laughs> Scooby-Doo Murder Mystery set in the Which is WWE also a universe. great film. Really I don't want to lie. Highly recommend it. Was it was really good. Solid fruit punch. Very pooch. different. Yeah. yeah. No one's going to love that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but nonetheless... We decided to go see Blade Runner. It was excellent. And I want to talk about, I want to condense as much as we can because we spent the better half of New Jersey talking about Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. It was like, why it was what so do you think so about Metatopia? It was right. like, well, what do you think about Ryan Gatsby? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, three reasons we thought it was great. Number three for you. Uh, number three for me was pacing. Yeah. So, it didn't sacrifice the slow, contemplative pacing of the original film. Right. While at the same time, it did not have a 15 minute enhance. 
enhance. Yeah, like right. it didn't get as achingly slow as the original film can get sometimes. Totally and that is just a balancing act that I was amazed anybody did. Yep. Uh, so I was I was alarmed that they could do something that didn't like instantly sell out to like cyborg action movie. Right. No. Nope. That it was at the same time wasn't as glacially slow as the original can be at parts. Yeah. There were moments where Gosling was just sitting in his hover car. Not doing much, but looking, you didn't feel like he wasn't Yeah, doing he was much. just looking kind of sad. Yeah, absolutely. And you're okay with that. So number three for me, and this is my hot take on this whole bit, because I know, I know that a lot of people think Ryan Gosling can't act, and that's fair. Fuck you, but that's fair. Um, I love Ryan Gosling more than you love anything. I want everyone <laughs> to know that right now. Uh, okay, he is great whenever he plays an emotionally crippled, violent person. <laughs> right, which is a thing. Yeah, no, like, which I is think this that, movie. Yeah. I think it's yeah. totally reasonable. <laughs> also, in Crazy Stupid Love, he was excellent, okay? Oh, yeah, he's pretty good in that. Yeah. Um, I thought that uh, Ryan Gosling, as much as anyone can be like kind of made for a thing, Ryan Gosling may have been born. He's a real human being. Yeah. Well, okay. That's the, that's the fucking thing, right? So like so here's the thing. I watched Drive. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Like Ryan Gosling was born to play the driver. You know what yeah. I mean? Like zero words. And you watch this, you're like, oh, the driver was a replicant. The driver was a replicant. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Oh shit. Yeah. He's just here to kill other replicants. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then the whole thing gained some context. Like, yeah. Albert Brooks was just a replicant. You know what I mean? This retconned driver in really interesting ways for me that I don't yeah. think anybody saw coming. Yeah. Um, I thought Gosling was like literally perfect in this. Uh, I, I have an unnatural crush on him in the first place. This wasn't even Ryan Gosling. It's not a, you have eyes. That's right. Yeah. It's not a yeah. natural. Got two ears and a heart lemon. <laughs> yeah. you know? uh, this wasn't even Gosling looking like a statue or like a beautiful work of art as he is. This was Ryan Gosling looking gritty, fighting people in a half-submerged car yeah. with no emotion. And the whole time I was just like, this, this fucker gets it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he's in deep. Uh, like this is some Jared Leto as the Joker shit. Like yeah, he's okay, really well, maybe don't make that. He's wearing it is a good film. This coat, yeah. Uh, so I thought Gosling was perfect. What's number two for you? Uh, the cinematography was uh, every frame. There's not a wasted shot it's in this movie. Beautiful. Every frame a painting. Like like the establishing shots. I want as posters on my wall. Yes. Like I, everything looks like a storyboard. Like it's just gorgeous. Absolutely. Like, it is. Every single shot perfectly framed the colors are both muted but then they get like super bright and intense like oh man every frame of it could work as a still yeah like which is just insane for something with this high of a budget right with this much writing on it with this kind of star power and with a dark world behind it i mean yeah. not a thing n- not a world necessarily built for stills you know what i mean because yeah. it's also dark i mean it's also almost hard to define in some weird ways yeah yeah no i totally agree Number two for me is sound. I think that one of the most overlooked aspects of the the world, which I'm going to talk about in a second, that Ridley Scott builds in the first Blade Runner and that uh, Denny V builds on in the second one, is that there is something to how jarring and industrial the future is supposed to feel. Yeah. And so some of the noises that are happening in the background oh, when God. the cars are flying. That horrible revving up sound. Oh, my God. Oh, man. It, it's it's uh, chilling. It's disturbing. It's a little bit off-putting. But it also, um, you know, because science fiction, good science fiction does that thing, certainly good dystopian science fiction, where it makes you feel close enough to a reality that you can say, okay, I can see that happening, and far enough away mm-hmm. that there's some distance there, yeah. right, which yeah. makes it the fiction. Um, Denny V 
in this instance, uh, he he does he does that rhetorical device with sound mm-hmm. really well, mm-hmm. which is these are things that I hear in an industrial setting, but I'm not in an industrial setting anymore. Yeah. I'm in the standard setting of the future, yeah. but it still f- feels very like natural and also jarring mm-hmm. because I'm hearing it everywhere. Yes, and it was it was moving uh, in some instances. It kind of like made the scene, I guess, as it were. Uh, number one for you. Uh, so this one kind of snuck up on me, and I didn't really come across it until I was doing research to make sure if it was really as good as everyone was saying to get over my fear that Ridley Scott was just, again, just pulling a long con, uh, spoofing my computer Real long con. to get me to go watch another terrible yeah. one of his you know, <laughs> cinematic abortions. But um, what I did discover— It literally happens in one of the films. Yeah. I just want to be clear. Yeah, it's yeah. Be, yeah well, not an exaggeration. That's a scene in Prometheus. That's a scene in Prometheus. Right. Um, so— um, what I discovered is that uh, they were interviewing Harrison Ford about the film and not liking it very much, uh, especially. And they said, well, you've seen the director's cut, right, without the voiceover of the studio. And he's like, well, no, I still don't like it very much. And Harrison Ford, you know, gives no shits. Doesn't care. Whatsoever. Right. Um, at which point they're like, well, why not? He's like, well, I'm a detective who does no detecting. Fuck, so, so brilliant. So then, so then I go back and look at Blade Runner. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's terrible at his job. Right. He, almost, he almost gets killed by every replicant. And they only he only survives by dint of the replicants not wanting to kill him. Right. Like, well, one finds Jesus, quote unquote, yeah. and then dies. Yeah. I mean, that, that is how Harrison Ford stays alive. And he's just, he's just pinballed from these different events that he has no control of. And, like, that is why, like, he lacks agency. He's Bella Swan yeah. in the first one. Yeah. And, like, I, I never noticed that about the first movie because I still love the f- original. But um, in this one, you have a competent main character. And they also completely redeem the lack of agency yes. of Deckard. Yep. Like, Absolutely. And so it, it makes it part of a much deeper mythos for the whole uh, fictional narrative. And then, you know, Kay is just a damn good detective. That's I right. mean, he's built for it, but damn good detective. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. And so, like, it's a more solid noir story because in the first one, you're going for that, you know, neo-noir, tech-noir, cyberpunk feel. That's right. And, like, I feel like I realized finally what it's missing. It's like, other than him lying to a stripper in one scene, Harrison Ford does no detecting in That's Blade right. Running other than, like, using crappy primitive photoshop to look at a weird photo. crappy primitive photoshop. yeah like and that, yeah and yeah. that's uh and that's it whereas this one like there's some full-blown detective shit going on yep. and also a great noir story yeah absolutely uh number one for me is uh world extrapolation is the the phrase i want to use here oh man let me give you some so examples. many little details so many little details um uh denny v uh hashtag denny v let's just start that yeah um, Denny Villeneuve, who I, might be my new favorite director, by the way. Hands down is my definitely new favorite director. Uh, after Arrival and this, I still need to watch Sicario. God, you, no, I mean. Mm. Right. But Arrival and this yourself. alone are probably yeah. like enough to put him in that position. I mean, Sicario is great. It's just brutal. Right. Can't um, wait to see what he does with Dune. Oh, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait to see what he does with something that I think is almost difficult to do something with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is Jodorowsky still alive? Blade Runner. Uh, I don't think so. I'm not sure. Oh, man. If he is, I hope Diddy V just, like, sneaks him on set in a box. <laughs> yeah. So, so... Smuggles him in. Two, thing, two things here about uh, world extrapolation that kind of stuck out to me. So the first one's interesting because it's the future, so we have robots that look like humans. Okay, interesting. I mean, yeah. I get that. It's, you know, it's late 70s, early 80s. That's fine. That's, that's mm-hmm. the extension of that. In this one, we get Joy, who is, uh, who is this holographic character. 
but but not just a holographic character, which is the technical extension of expertise wrought over time of you know technological yeah, yeah, extrapolation, yeah. but who's also the socio-emotional extrapolation of technology, which yeah. is yeah now now they've given us companions, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? They've given people companions, a muse, right? That's right. Who are simultaneously generic and objective, right? Big joy. And who also satisfy some really guttural, instinctual need for other person mm-hmm. uh, in in this very like unique way. And so, so it takes the premise of the first one, which is, wouldn't it be crazy if robots looked like us and acted like us, and instead moved into the virtual world yeah. in a really nice way that felt like it was building on the technology of the original at roughly the same pace that the technology of the original was building on, you know, its setting. Yeah. Um, second extrap- extrapolation that was really shocking to me and also felt very awesome uh, is the way in which uh, Hashtag Denny V treats uh, Las Vegas. Um, so when Gosling goes to find Harrison Ford and Ford is like shacked up in uh, this you know, Vegas hotel of yesteryear, um, one of the most disturbing, unsettling scenes I've, I've seen in cinema is when Gosling and Harrison Ford – when Harrison Ford is trying to murder Ryan Gosling – and there is virtual Elvis Presley glitching all around them. Yeah. And it is it is audibly disturbing because uh, uh, Harrison Ford and Ryan Gosling are trying to feel each other out and figure out where the other is in pitch black. And occasionally this like old Elvis Presley song will come on and it will just be noise. And then like Marilyn Monroe pops up in between them while they're while they're functionally shooting at each other. Yeah. And um it was Or know, the exterior where it looks like right. the ruins of Giza. Sex carcosa. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. Giza which you, with yeah, prostitutes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and so the whole thing felt like, well, yeah, and what if we took these other bits of Americana, what would be Americana in 2049 and nostalgia, and we just ran them, right, to their to their farthest logical conclusion, right? I also love how like you have that referencing the visuals of the film, but like when you talk about reference to like the narrative of the film and the reference that the characters themselves are familiar with, yeah. they loathe the twentieth century. Yes. Yes. Like, almost as if they're resentful of it for making the world in which they live in. Yep. Like so you see these like constant reference to our world in terms of the visuals, but then you have like their speech and the art that they choose to consume. Yeah. And it is pretty much exclusively fuck modernity. Right. That's right. <laughs> like, that's right. How what dare it get us idiots. here? Yeah. Like yeah. let's just skip all that and go back to when they had it figured out. Right. Like which is just like a real deep cut. Yeah. Yeah. I um I was stunned. Um, it would have been really easy to make another film that just looked like Blade Runner because yeah. one of the things that Ridley Scott does – look, hot take, I, I love the first Blade Runner. I don't think it's a particularly great film. Um, I revere it for all of the reasons that I should, but I don't enjoy watching it anymore. I think yeah. it's slow. I think it's boring. But I think one of the things that it does better than almost any film I could name is world building. Mm-hmm. I think it shows you a thing, and then it says, look at all of the ways in which this thing happens. It would have been really easy to make another film that looks like Blade Runner. In but in fact, 2017, they released a three-and-a-half-hour freaking blockbuster right. with a pale fire reference in it. That's right. Like, the, they didn't— Donald Trump is president. Right. And they made a Nabokov reference— in a movie where they could have just had fighting robots That's the right. whole time. Yeah, they didn't just make a film that looked like Blade Runner. They made a film that felt like Blade Runner. Exactly. And that is a really important distinction and difficult to fucking do when time has caught up, if not surpassed, the conceit of the original in the yeah, first yeah, place. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I thought the whole thing was stunning. We probably should have put a spoiler alert at the top of this segment. Um, really, yeah, this was we just, could have gone worse. Right. This was just my opportunity to talk about how much I love Ryan Gosling. Also, we talked about five other things. It's yeah. kind of how I feel. There was a mouse. So, yeah, six other things if you count the mouse. <laughs> 
Um, so, anyways, Blade Runner 2049. If you haven't see it, seen it, uh, sorry for spoiling some of the stuff that happens. If you have seen it, hope you liked it as much as we did. And if you didn't, I'd love to hear why. I'm like interested what the countertake here is on Blade Runner 2049. Um, on that note, we've got one more beer, we've got one more topic, and we'll be back in one more second. Caleb, you get the distinct pleasure of drinking today's final beer, and it is? I am drinking West Sixth Brewings Pay It Forward Cocoa Porter. West Sixth is a lot of hard consonant sounds. Not great for a kid with a speech impediment revolving around S's. Who's I'll had, tell you that much. Sibilance. Who's, yeah. who's had a couple of drinks today? Yeah, yeah. it's going to be rough. Right. All right, so Stillwater Rule. It's got a purple and silver can. He's taking a sip out of it. Uh, this is cocoa, not coconut so hopefully or cacao oh, no, I, had, I didn't throw it across the room so <laughs> Please that wasn't that. on the mic yeah. uh it's a it's a solid ginger it's a it's a it's a three. Oh, kind of a kind of a slow day well probably a normal day in terms of bell curves for beer yeah but you know that's gonna I'm happen okay uh, and here we are in Drunk Enough. This is our last segment where we typically save the most difficult and or introspective and or frankly depressing sometimes topic. Um, Sorry. For, we'll try and help. For, for the time where we have consumed We'll get in through theory, this together. We will. The most amount of alcohol. And look, I totally sprang this topic on you today. <clears throat> I apologize. I know that we were just trying to get trying to get this back half planned. I'm literally just reading it now. Right. My dad was that busy. So I'm excited for you to process it, as I have been processing okay. it for some time now. Um, this is not my attempt to, again, talk about Metatopia or Party Foul. It is, though, my attempt to point out these things as very recent examples of something that I've seen myself do more recently. And it is the praying to fail phenomena that I want to talk about a little bit. Okay, so while we were at Metatopia, there was a point in which I almost found myself like actively seeking negative feedback about Party Foul, right? And it's not that we hadn't gotten constructive feedback, but I was almost praying to hear someone say something bad. And much like the monkey paw, your wish was granted. Yes, it was the worst thing. Oh possible. my god! Did did that <laughs> shoe that shoe drop so hard? That was a Herman Munster esque <laughs> shoe when it dropped. Um, but I I mean I was actively seeking bad news, and I've been thinking about that a lot since we got back, and it's certainly something that I've dealt with before. Um, but but I've been thinking about it a lot in the in the terms of two things. Thing one, option one here is that I was trying to self sabotage. That I've been looking for an out on this for I don't know when we when we write rules June the, yeah. the Alpha One for five months just to go like yeah it'll never work don't waste your time don't put yourself out there get the fuck well, there's out lots there. of ways you could have done that before we went to Metatopia I know I know I know that there are and that's why I'm like yeah it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but also can you think of a more uh, official way to do it than to go to a place where people go to test their games and have a bunch of people be like, this game fucking sucks. You know what I mean? So option one for me is self-sabotage. Yeah. Was I praying to fail? Was I looking for negative feedback just to self-sabotage so I didn't have to go through the process? Didn't have to put myself out there? Didn't have to like worry even about seeing a bad Kickstarter? You know what I yeah. mean? Like things not ending up where I think they can end up. Or, or was I honestly trying to assess the state of the game and recognizing that I have this cognitive bias, which is, yeah, I built the game and I've played the game a million times and we've worked through the game. And so the, 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 you know, I'm just, I'm trying to get a, a correct perspective here. And honestly, 
I'm not totally sure what the answer is. Let me put a, let me put an asterisk or a caveat on this because I don't want people to start like worrying. You know, like oh my god, is he okay? Like, listen, I have actively dealt with depression and anxiety at two distinct points in my life. Yeah, this does not feel like the self sabotage. No, that, that comes with like depression, right? Like yeah. everything good is going to turn bad, right? Yeah. And I'm not mocking that sentiment. I very much understand and empathize with it. Have been there. This is not what this is. Um, this is like this is. I don't know what this is, but okay. it, it was a weird thing for me, and I spent the whole weekend. And then it's when a it, game design thing. And then when it happened, yeah, like when we got, we finally got some bad feedback. Now you know there are a lot of caveats around the bad feedback that we got. Some of it, and yeah. it was like kind of a shit shit scenario for yeah. a few hours. Um, but our knee jerk reaction, and then our well thought out reason reactions. Well, fuck that, right? And that's the other thing. Is I, so I'm I got, right. Then I got what Screw I was looking you. for. So you've been through this before, right? This is game number umpteen for you in terms of having planned things, and you know it will be three or four or five in terms of publishing <laughs> things. Is this a natural part of this process? Yeah. So I think it's healthy to like. You know, not to not to make you feel more highfalutin because that's not what you're looking for. No, when you think you're no, I'm, I'm genuinely like, curious. It's useful to have like if you're Augustus, your slave follow around. You are mortal Caesar, right? right. You want someone, revi- you know, yeah, you know, reminding right. you sure. that you know, do not get a big head and start saying things that are visible. Yeah. Now, here's the thing: as Robert self sabotage goes, there's a number of ways that like if you're if your con- subconscious is looking for another way out, you could have done this. A, you can convince me of nearly everything. <laughs> Um, so see episode whatever in which I convinced Caleb see all episodes see X episode X Uh, you could have like slapped me at the airport gate and be like Caleb it's about ducks it's just about ducks that are getting drunk. What are we doing? We've got, we've got a. I just realized we it. spent thousands of dollars to get to New Jersey. Yeah, on the backs. What of have ducks we done? We have drunk. to stop now. Like you could have grabbed me by my chubby little cheeks and convinced me at, at that point. Um, you could have just not participated in the first place when we talked about doing the game and never yeah. like gotten off the pot on doing that. You could self sabotage there. Um, and like God knows, I, it wasn't like well, what's a Kickstarter? I was telling you what a Kickstarter was so you could have gotten afraid of the anticipation of it earlier sure and and self-sabotage earlier and you've even given me some of that right like it's not like i haven't i'm 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 trying to talk you down sometimes it's not like i haven't sat with you at bars after you've gotten terrible news about shipping or dice or insert insert way in which multiple times right and i've not looked at all of them and like fuck (laughs) and yet and yet there i am being like yeah well you know what we're just gonna go get it you know what Mm -hmm. i mean and so that's what i wonder that the self-sabotage route doesn't make sense. But also, here's the other thing. Here's the last thing that's most important. Uh, self-sabotage, when you mean it, is public. And I know that, like, in some ways, self-sabotage is a means to uh, avoid public scorn, like right. a, a subconscious avoidance right. of that. But I'm wondering if Metatopia wasn't that public attempt at self-sabotage. Oh, that, so, like, that was your little one before that, the big one on that, Kickstarter? Okay. Well, or that was that was the big one to not get to Kickstarter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, like, 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 if I wanted to self-sabotage, like, teaching, like, I never would want to, like, blow a lesson. No. Like, no. just to, like, lower expectations of me. Because, right. like, it's very public. Like, But, like, true self-sabotage is just, like... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to do this, and I've right. done that before. Like, Go to a faculty like say your sports. Like, right. yeah. hey, shoot the ball. See if you want to be on my team. And I'm just like in the bleachers. I'm like, all right, well, that's done. Right. Like, right. I've what's, been embarrassed once, rather than for a whole game. Yeah. I'm going to the bench. Like, yeah. I, I've done that before too. Um. So, like, I, I think self sabotage when it's like that desperate knee jerk reaction doesn't mind being public, and I don't think doing it at a podcast or or. 
you know, mm-hmm. like are discussing mm-hmm. whether it's a possibility in the podcast or are like doing other. So I think you're, I think you're good. And here's the thing: it is a healthy game design um, idea to be like, go break the game, like. And if only to like not be like thank you for breaking the game, which takes some time. Yeah. Uh, but and even if like actually no, it doesn't. No one says actually thank you for breaking the game. They say it at your face, right. and then they go they say fuck that right. guy. Then they go to a um, bar and they're like, what the fuck? But we said that. But but yeah, you did get to see it broken, right? And you did get to see that your authentic reaction was like, well, no, I'm protection of that, and I have all of these reasons. Because I've come up with it. And maybe right. you're completely blind and biased to it, but like right. that's as close as you're gonna get to testing it with your own brain. Yeah. Like you're that's still true. Gonna, you gotta look through the same eyes either way. And as close as you can get is those extreme situations where someone extremely dislikes it. So right. like um I've had editors before Laura where I was just like, Well man, am I just that good? Right. And then I'm like, No, that's yeah. not the answer. They're yeah. a bad editor. And right. then I found Laura, I was like, She's like, Well, this is shit. Yeah. Fix all of this. Yeah. I'm offended. You hired me, and I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. That's not actually what she said. No, it's not. <laughs> but uh, it, it, but it, it felt like it. Yeah, it feels like it, and that's what you need. We like, are, of course, referencing Laura Briskin Limehouse. Yes. of the Technical Difficulties podcast. Yeah, which we would recommend. And she she can make a page bleed, and she's good at her job. And that's what I needed. Like, and so like, it's good to seek that out when you're doing a creative endeavor before you expose the long. Page. It's not it's not self sabotage. Yeah, it's self sabotage. If like in the middle of the Kickstarter, you start, you know, tweeting racist things. Yeah, tweeting racist things because right. like you really want to. Well, beat. have I got some tweets for you to no, look over? No, uh-huh. no, thank yeah. you. Uh-huh. Uh, if you really want to blow yourself up so hard that you don't care who, however many people see it, right? Because you're afraid of what comes next, right? Um, that's that's the case where you're you're probably blowing yourself up, but I think you're probably safe because like I didn't see you do that anywhere, and I don't, I don't see that impulse. Anymore. No, I well, I don't think I have that impulse. I think what's so st- yeah, I mean there are a number of things that's stunning to me. One one the whole notion that I would go out of my way, what New Jersey is technically out of my way um, to figure these things out. Two is, and I'm not too proud to admit yeah, this also, about myself. You did, we, you did some things you actively hate. Yes, I did. Did I mention the mouse? That we were in a theater so with things. a mouse. Oh my god! Yeah, so many things that I actively talk hate. about subconscious revulsion. Sitting down with strangers to play a board game I've never played. Oh, oh my god! god. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! Get out of here! <laughs> um, but I did it more than once, more than twice. Um, okay, so here's the other here's the other thing I'm running up against, and and I, I'm genuinely curious if other people a have had this praying to fail phenomenon thing, right? Where it's just stuck on them. Like I I want to see this thing go wrong, but not in a really unhealthy way. Hopefully in a really healthy way so i can fix it i want to see it go wrong yeah i I think so yeah yeah yeah. here's the other bit there um and maybe this is a growth thing maybe i don't know i'm not too proud to admit this i have a very fragile ego um like terribly fragile uh and so um shipping's gonna be fun for you yeah (laughs) right (laughs) no i know this right you're gonna have a great time part of me sometimes sometimes i talk to you about things and part of me goes home and wonders like am i doing this to punish myself the first time you get a letter with like cutouts from magazines right right yeah (laughs) people still do that sometimes sometimes i hear you talk about things and then i see myself go like yeah and we're gonna push forward and then i go what would lacan think you know what i mean like i get real (laughs) real weird about this but i also have this like I have a terribly fragile ego about some stuff and have not – I can point to moments in my life where I have not responded to criticism well because mm-hmm. of my fragile ego. And so I guess I guess the other thing that I'm dealing with here is watching terribly fragile ego run into fucking break this thing. You know what I yeah. mean? That I have – that I've attached some identity to. And I don't know if that's just – 
I don't know if that's age. I don't know if that's like maturity. I don't know if that's like practicality. Like, look, you, this is going to happen at some point. So you'd rather happen in, in a controlled setting before it gets too big and too out of control. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm also just kind of like processing the personal aspect of all of it too, which is, uh, I can't think of another time in my life where I've been actively looking to fail. And I've actually been open to the idea of failing for the purposes of uh, getting better. I mean, that's not totally true. Obviously, I, I have some, you know, business, et cetera, transition from academic to business community. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, there have been moments where I've been very vulnerable. This one was surprising even to me, the intensity with which I was actively looking for someone to poke holes in this balloon. I think you're already, I think you're also looking at it at too many fronts. So like, yeah, that's fair. I want to be really careful how I yeah, say this. Right. like, I don't think like party foul is going to be a wild financial success the same way that I'm not quite sure red markets has met yet a year and a half on because like it feels like some sort of fever dream that I've sat elsewhere and imagined because reality would went too horrible. Yeah. But eventually there comes a point where you have to accept it as a real number and you have to accept it as a real number in American dollars yeah. in our horrible capitalist society. And so like, here's the thing when you think about like, your imposter syndrome, yeah, like which I, is strong. I, I'm worried someone's going to call me out on this, that right. kind of stuff. You're thinking about it on all levels. Like yeah. you're thinking about it like you don't know game design, you haven't done this, you haven't done that, you right? Know. And you're also thinking of it without the context of someone like presenting it to you, yeah. And that's really way too many fucking fronts. Like so, like yeah, maybe. Eric Lang comes out and be like, your duck game is shit, punk, and like throws it in the trash. He's like, blood rage. And then he and all the guys in varsity jackets go off like punching each other in the arm. I don't think that's going to happen, but maybe it could happen. It didn't happen. And it's like, yeah, it, it hasn't. But maybe it's going to happen on the artistic level. Right. But here's the thing. Most of the people criticizing your game have never done anything yeah. and will never do anything and my dumb game about, like, that you could have smacked me at the airport and said, no, seriously, stop this. We started with duck pods. That's all we have. Right. Like, you could have talked me out. But, like, at a certain point, like, yeah, it was duck pods, but we did it. Right. We, yeah, there's definitely oh, there's like, an ownership thing, right? Yeah, and so yeah. there's a point. Like, you know what? Yeah, I mean, it's dumb. Maybe it's not perfect. Actually, definitely it's not perfect. Definitely not. But, like, my shit's done. What right. do you do? Right. And, like, that. that's going to, like carry you through 90% of what this thing you're anticipating about. Yeah. Like, maybe someone will do, like, in our hard artistic read is, like, go duck button doesn't truly understand the aesthetic right. of right. the, you know, ducks American don't mindset. Do that. Yeah, ducks right. don't do that. Uh, but uh, most of the time, that criticism is going to be like, well, okay, you haven't done anything ever yeah. at all. It, so It could be that. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> no, you might be right. Maybe, maybe that's the part that's kind of, like, acting as a buffer in all of the, all of the like, slamming into a wall stuff here. It's also possible that, like, I wouldn't feel this way had we gone to Metatopia and it had just been, like, Yeah, and other designers actually don't do that to other designers. No, they like, were incredibly yeah, you kind. Yeah, you couldn't expect that level of criticism you're afraid of right. from the people where that level of criticism would actually hit home. Yeah. Does yeah. that make sense? Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Producer Ross, you've done, I mean, you've done a ton of shit. Is this, yeah. is this the praying to fail bit? Is this something that like resonates with you? Um, yeah. I mean, uh, certainly there, there's, uh, a lot of times when I question my professional choices and, uh, uh certainly like when I launched the RPPR Patreon, it's like, what am I doing? Right. Yeah. Uh, and now people are giving me money and they're expecting things in return. Right. Uh, certainly every Kickstarter. So yeah, no, I, I, uh, zombies of the world, the Especially because right. that was pre-Kickstarter. So, yeah. Um, it, it, it's just something you kind of have to power through. Uh, and for me, what really helped also was re- looking at what was out there. Is like, I can do better than that. Like, my shit, my, my, you know, like, party fouls 
There are board games I bet you both can think of off the top of your head instantly that like you're like, oh yeah, Party Foul's way better. In a pickle. Yeah, exactly. I knew in you were going to say in that. A pickle. That was going to be your type of choice. <laughs> right. So, did you take a shit today? It's better than in a if pickle. If you look at in a pickle, like that was published, that was distributed, that was put out in retail stores, uh, and they put their names on it. So, like, uh, you have to realize nobody knows what they're doing, uh, or they're so dumb they don't even realize they don't know what they're doing. So, like, uh, when I went to Patreon, that was actually the point of one of the speeches I, I listened to. Oh like, yeah, Dunning Kruger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're That's concerned. Right. That's right. Yeah. And and like in a lot of ways, in a lot of psychological metrics, being concerned that like you might be shit, yeah. is enough to not be shit, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, no, I, I'm very much scanning the horizon for shit. You know yeah. what I mean? You're it's not like, Tommy, the Tommy Wasau of board games. Oh, like, man. yeah, you aren't convinced that. Let's you know, not lie, though. We all wish I was a little bit <laughs> because we. Know I mean, ten if, years from yeah, now, if you could be a Tommy Wasau of board we games, we would be the most popular money, board yeah. game amongst hipsters in LA. But you stumbled ass backwards into that. Yeah, you, know, you were. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I, you know, I also think. Well, so first off, I never would have come up with this idea on my own. The duck pun idea was your idea. I mean, you know, That's I, not I, true. I own that holistically. Um, but I also, I also hang out with the two of you who have done this, you know, many times over. Too so many. I'm looking at the two of you like, <laughs> oh well. I mean, there there are times where I feel myself go like, oh, don't worry, it's going to crash and burn. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait a minute. Both of them have done this. You know what I mean? So, like, if it crashes and burns, they've seen it and they know what's going on here. So maybe I'm also, like, co Well, hey, man, here's my PSA. It doesn't get better. <laughs> yeah. Party <laughs> Foul's going to launch, and I'm going to stay up all night imagining a 0% like, funded. Like, zero yeah. funded. Right. Like, first off, like, my mom would donate. That's a farcical idea. Like... An EMP would have to go off for me to get zero dollars. And then from there, I'm going to go like, okay, well, what if it just makes a hundred? Right. And then that's going to be like super embarrassing. But the zero idea isn't going to go away. And they're just going to like stack up exponentially until we hit a goal. And, and that's just, that's just Kickstarter. Yeah. Like, (laughs) and then, and then you proofread it for the 80th time. And you wander around your house. You drink your fourth full throttle. You start right. air punching. I think what we you're should. Like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And then you weep for a little bit. And then you hit launch. Like, that. that's how it goes. I think, like, that, uh, I think that we should live stream the 24, <gasps> first 24 hours on Kickstarter. Oh, my God. That's not a reality TV show. <laughs> no. Anyone wants to watch. Oh, no. They want to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, total uh, live stream. A lot of quiet crying. Yeah. Of us of us just, like, well, we, chugging we, caffeine. <laughs> well, hopefully by that time, Patreon rolls out Lens, which is a way to sort yes. of live stream video and photos. Half- Whispered mirror, yeah, like, right. So can get do up, that on. get sight shocks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, God, it would be awful. I'm would... trying to do push-ups in the background to feel better about something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is gonna be so, awesome, right? Oh my oh, god! All right, well, we'll think about it. Whatever, we'll think about it. This is it's it's more than we're not doing the troll this. too. Uh, yeah, I'm open. Wrong is what I'm saying. That's I'm open. clearly yeah. great. I'm open for this. I, just, I want to throw at that least out there. have a launch party. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally open. Yeah. Um, hey, listen. If you listen to whatever the last however many minutes this has been was, thanks so much. Uh, it means that you've been with us for the long haul. If you're not yet a Patreon of the Mix Six, we certainly appreciate your support, but it is not required as you still get all of this great and free content. Thanks so much for listening at any level that you support us, free or otherwise. We appreciate literally every second of it. it, it it's the reason we do all this weirdness. Uh, and introspection and self-loathing. Uh, if you're not following us on Twitter, we're at the Mixed Six. Uh, you can also check us out on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash/TheMixedSix. We've got a page and a group. You can check out our website, www.TheMixedSix.com. Shockingly, that wasn't taken in 2017. 
Uh, you can find us on YouTube now, thanks to producer Russ. Uh, we're putting free episodes of Snippets of Adventure up. Uh, at the time of this recording, there are three. There will probably be more by the time you actually hear it, so you should check out Snippets of Adventure if you're not choosing to pay for that otherwise, which is totally cool. Season one will be all free by the time that we are done, and will be done soon. Uh, don't forget to check out all of the other content we have available to you on our website or on patreon.com slash the mix six. If you've been listening to this whole thing, we really appreciate it. Once again, I'm Spencer. I am also Spencer. No, that's not how any of this works. Caleb, we've done. I, uh, I got close. So many. I of almost these. stuck the landing. You've had so many opportunities. Caleb, he's, he's I'm Caleb. Ca- I'm Caleb. He's Caleb. I'm Spencer. We talked about kombucha flavors and a bunch of other stuff for the last like hour and a half ish or something, and you really enjoyed it. I promise you. <laughs> and on that note, this has been the Mix Six. We'll see you next time. Good night, Gracie. Okay.